Welcome to the Faith Bible Church Theology Podcast. All right, welcome to the Faith Bible Church Theology Podcast. We are continuing our podcast through our purpose statement of Herald. Uh, And last time we talked about reconciliation on a broad scope. Uh, What does it mean that we say we are uh, ministers of reconciliation? How should that affect our attitudes and and those things? This is really something that unites us with God. Uh, In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Uh, And so God is a peacemaker. Um, He is one who makes peace with his people. And we talked about that last time through the cross that Christ has reconciled us to himself. But right after he says, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, the next blessing is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the fact that we are peacemakers should cause us to expect we will need to make peace with others. Uh, we will need to pursue reconciliation. And for all of the reasons we talked about in the, lo- the last podcast, we have hope to do that. Um, but we should not expect that the peace of Christ in us means we will just have a peaceful life uh, that will never meet conflict. There will be lots of relationships that require um, biblical God-glorifying, gospel-proclaiming reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So our goal in this podcast is uh, Danny, Daniel, myself, talking through what does that look like just in regular issues of the church, regular issues of life, uh, where we come into conflict and we have to pursue reconciliation with others. Well, I'll start off by addressing home life, not particularly my home life, but maybe getting some truth from there when... Um, I, I see in God's character that God is uh, the initiator, that God is the one that starts uh, reconciling with us mm-hmm. and not based on our response. So having said that, when I need to um, start the reconciling process or uh, bring others to reconciliation at home, uh, let's say with my wife or whatever the case may be, uh, I need to remember and remind myself that uh, God reconciled me to himself he's the one that initiated and um, and as a as a faithful husband that wants to imitate God uh, I would I pray that I would be that kind of husband one that initiates uh, rather than allowing uh, for bitterness and anger and resentment to settle in now when I speak of marriage I'm not trying to act and I say this full disclosure like I have it all figured out because I don't but uh, my desire is that I would be responding, I would be initiating, and I would be um, seeking reconciliation uh, and not just waiting for my wife to be the one that does this. But as a faithful husband, initiating that. Maybe I went a little too long, but... No, that's great. No, I appreciate okay. the fact that you said that we want to imitate God and therefore we want to be the ones who initiate reconciliation. I think, like, personally... That is a hard thing to do. I know at times when I'm in conflict, um, whether it be my spouse or others, um, I want the other person to be the initiator. 
because uh, I sit there and justify my sin or allow myself to dwell on it, allow myself to sit in my anger or, you know, we can minimize sin by saying I'm just frustrated right now. And uh, I think the only thing that breaks into that hardness of heart is the gospel, is realizing that I have been reconciled to God, not on the basis of who I am or what I've done, but on the basis of who Christ is and what he has done on my behalf that God the Father would reconcile me, a sinner, dead in my sin, to himself through Christ. Like if my heart and mind is constantly uh, meditating on the gospel, then as we talked about last podcast, the love of Christ ought to control me and compel me to be the initiator, to be the one who seeks to reconcile first with my spouse. And I think even outside of my spouse in that relationship, but I think my relationship to others within the church it should cause me to initiate that. And so one of the things that we bring up oftentimes is communion and how communion is the grace of God uh, that provides an opportunity for us to evaluate not only our own lives but our relationships to see if there's disunity between us and another member or another brother and sister in our church. And if there is, then the gospel ought to compel us to be the initiator, to be the one who goes to that other person and asks for forgiveness and seeks to be unified with them. And, um, believe it or not, this has happened one or two times at least um, with another member of our church. And uh, it was communion, just a reminder of what Christ has done for me that compelled me to go to that person. And um, it was awesome to just be able to reconcile with them and then take communion with that brother and sister um, to remind ourselves of the fact that we are unified with one another and we are reconciled to God on the basis of what Christ has done for us. And again, we're imitating what uh, Christ did for us or God did for us that even when we pursue reconciliation, it's going to cost us something. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. at times it might be very uncomfortable and at dare I say even painful, but it doesn't compare to being nailed to the cross no. and because that's exactly what uh, the price that he had to pay uh, to give us that reconciliation nailed yeah. to a cross. And that doesn't seem to be pretty pleasant at all. Right. I think it, it particularly costs us something when we're seeking to be reconciled to somebody who doesn't want to be reconciled to us. Yeah. Uh, when we are seeking to ask for forgiveness or to apologize or to you be unified with somebody who has no care for it and is not responsive for it or yeah. responsive towards it. Or someone who sinned against us. I think our right. common feeling is, well, they sinned against me. Yes. So yeah. they need to pursue reconciliation. And I think particularly dealing in marriage with men, um, when a guy calls me to vent about his wife, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I, I know things are hard. Your responsibility is to reconcile this. Because if you're the picture of Christ in the marriage, that does not mean you are the king and the creator. That means you are the savior. Yeah. Uh, you are the one who reconciles by his own blood. And so I think of passages like, Colossians 1 says, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is why Christ is preeminent. Because in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And as you think of the commands to husbands, Ephesians, it doesn't talk about you submitting your wife. It talks to the wife about submission. It talks about you dying to yourself for her good. Look at 1 Peter It does not talk about the man submitting his wife. It talks about her submitting uh, and her doing so quietly if he is an unbeliever. 
so that he might be submissive to the word. Uh, but he is to live with her in an understanding way that he might give honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Uh, even Corinthians so 11. His, so that his worship won't be hindered. Yeah, and it relates directly back to, which until this morning, because we're doing First Peter with men on Monday mornings, I thought that's the only place that says it. But he says it multiple <laughs> times following that. of All of our prayers will be hindered if we're not surrendering to this. But he specifically ties it to the role of a husband. And says, if you are not living in an understanding way with my daughter, I am not listening to your requests. So when a guy tells me I'm praying for you, I ask, how are relationships? Yeah, how's your wife? wife? <laughs> Don't pray then for I me. Then I know whether or not the Lord yeah. is listening to it or yeah. not. That's funny. So I just think as men, our hearts in deception will tend to think, I'm Christ in this home. I need to be submitted to. I need to be followed. I need to lead. And what it means is I'm Christ in my home is that I'm responsible and I need to die to myself. We come to every situation knowing there is something we can we can say, I have failed in this. And something we come repenting. Where Christ is the one who reconciled and was perfect. He had there was no ability for him to come and say, I did this for you because I sympathize because I also sin. No, he sympathizes with our weakness without ever sinning. And so I think particularly in marriage, reconciliation is, uh, it's the man's responsibility. And that does not take a woman off the hook. Like you are a Christian, you're a believer. It doesn't mean you <clears throat> never pursue reconciliation first. Like it should be a, in a Christian marriage, it should be a battle to be the first to reconcile. Like it should be a fight to do it. But when the conflict is not happening that way, mm -hmm. the man needs to nail himself to the cross and be willing to say, I am to reflect Christ in this relationship, and that means I will die to myself. Um, and that is hard. Unless unless you really believe that Christ has reconciled you, it's really hard to pursue reconciliation in that way. Yeah, and by no means, like you said, um, freeing or giving the wife a pass, because in Romans 14, 12 says that each of us will give an account of himself to right. God. So we have to respond as Christians. We have to be forgiving. We have to be willing to reconcile. We have to be willing to overlook an offense. We have to be willing to do all those godly things. No one gets a pass. We all have to respond as Christians if we genuinely are kingdom citizens. Yeah. I think you bring up a really key principle, Jake, that not only applies to marriage, but applies to all relationship. And it's that if we are going to be ministers of reconciliation, then we must concern ourselves with the commands of scripture towards ourselves. And I think oftentimes what we do is we concern ourselves with the commands of Scripture to others. Right. So I look at the commands to the wife and look at my wife and see all the ways that she falls short in, in living up to those commands. And that doesn't breed unity. That doesn't mm. breed reconciliation. That only causes more bitterness and more frustration and more anger. Mm. I think we can do the same thing as we look at the church or members and brothers and sisters in the church. We look at the commands of Scripture and we go, you're failing in this area. We need to concern ourselves first and foremost with what are the commands of Scripture to myself and how should I be living those out? Because if I'm not living out the commands of Scripture, then I'm not being a minister of reconciliation. I'm not, pre um, I'm not bringing about unity. I'm bringing about disunity. So what about in, um, I think people we are trying to reconcile to God regularly would be our children. Um, I'm, you know, five of my primary concerns of reconciliation to God on earth live in my own home. Mm 
Um, and so how do I, how do I deal with, how does the fact that Christ has reconciled me affect the way I pursue to raise my kids? Hmm. So one of the first thoughts that come to mind is, um, not so much what we communicate, but how we live our lives. Hmm. So we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast that if I'm a minister of reconciliation, then it should impact not only the message I proclaim, but also the way I live, that I should uh, live in a way that is compelled by the love of Christ that displays the fruit of the Spirit. And I think if I'm seeking to be a minister of reconciliation and reconcile my six kids, I top you by one, Yeah, my six kids to I hate God. To, I hate to have that kind of burden. <laughs> um, like my first thought is I need to consider the way I live. Because if my message is the gospel and unity with God, but then the manner in which I live my life is completely contrary to the gospel, and it reminds me of what uh, Chris Mueller said, that I tell my kids about God and heaven, but then I take them by the hand and I lead them to hell um, because of my hypocrisy. Because I proclaim the gospel and I praise God on Sunday, but then Monday through Saturday I live as a heathen, denying the commands of scripture and, and living as if none of that has any bearing on my life. And so if I'm going to be a minister of reconciliation to my kids, uh, I need to consider the manner in which I live. I need to seek to display the gospel. I need to be loving, patient, kind, self-controlled. I need to first and foremost, I think, concern myself with how am I submitting myself to the commands of scripture? Am I living as somebody who has been reconciled to God? Am I putting the gospel on display um, through my life? Yeah, I guess living lives that our children at their young age could see that Christ is the most important in our lives. And that's what I try to remind myself. Not perfection because we all fall short, but what am I preaching to my kids with my daily life, with my actions, with my faithfulness or lack thereof? What am I communicating to them? What truth, truth of God am I communicating or impressing upon them? And Ephesians 6.4 comes to mind, not provoking my children to anger, uh, but but trying and working and striving. And the Lord knows it's been one of my prayers. And I've seen glimpses of grace and hope, uh, speaking to them gently. And again, not perfection, but I, I do see little evidences of grace there. But uh, attempting uh, and trying and seeking not to provoke them, but uh, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, trying to be consistent with addressing their shortcomings, their sin, uh, addressing, here's another one, how we reconcile our kids. We address their behavior patterns and we address their sins as sins and not excuse them by saying, oh, it's just, he didn't have a nap or he, his blood sugar dropped or, <laughs> or he hasn't eaten a snack. No, we address anger as you're responding in anger or you are not forgiving or you disobeyed. And we use biblical terminology um, to drive the point home. There are little sinners that they need Christ. Uh, mm -hmm. They need God to work on their behalf. And the sweetest, most precious thing is when they tell you, I can't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's sweet and precious to me because they are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And I remind them, you're right. You can't do it on your own. You need God to intervene. You need God to work on your behalf. And it gives a great opportunity to present the gospel and hopefully in, in sooner than later they respond and they are reconciled to God. Um, at least that's my prayer. Yeah. I think that, that mentality alone that 
we are seeking to communicate their need to be reconciled to God, not for them to conform to us. And so there is a there is a sense in which that affects how you communicate to them, what you communicate, what you're going to deal with in them, like what you're going to go after. I think God in grace does not put all of our sin before us at once. Mm. The parents that I know that parent well, that I try to model after, are parents who know their kids well to say, this is what I'm trying to use to show them their need for the gospel. And so these are areas where I am like really addressing these, where the parent my heart tends to lean towards more is to be critical and to see every issue and want to deal with every issue um, rather than looking for opportunities to really deal with the big issue as they get older. You know, is there little? I'm dealing with every issue because we're, it, it is important that they understand will and authority and those things. Um, as children who don't have communication. But as they're older and I can communicate with them, like exactly like you said, Danny, I'm trying to help them to understand dad is, is disciplining you and instructing you because you don't want to be foolish. You want to be wise. And wisdom tells us we have to depend on God. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do this, you've got to turn towards God. I think a really good book I read, I'm reading right now is for the love of discipline and I don't remember the author I'll put it in the podcast notes um, but she does a really good job of just communicating like his moms and dads how do we do this in communicating the intent behind it and rather just saying something like that behavior is unacceptable or how could you or I would never or it's saying you know what God has called us to be kind and he has shown kindness to us and what you did was not kind and so we need to depend on him and cry out to him that he can help us to be kind um, that's a self-controlled right. form of discipline that like, I, I haven't always had with my kids to have that much self-control to say, how do I address this issue that shows both the sin, the need for repentance, and hope in what Christ can do? Because that's the hard part of reconciling them is you're not as thoughtful as you are with other people because right. you're just responding to what's happening in the moment. And a lot of times it's attached to your insecurity and your your what you want out of them and, and things like that. So I think they are hard, hard little creatures to reconcile. And another thing is acknowledging, you know, each family is going to be different. But as parents, as, as fathers, we should know where our, our children, our mm-hmm. children are. Yeah. Are they responsive? Are they do they have questions of the, uh, about the gospel? Are they growing in grace? Yeah. Um, but I, I at home, I treat them as you know they're unregenerate they still have not responded to the god as far as i can tell but i can't see the depths of the heart and and i grant grace and i and i pray for them and i and i my desires for them like i'm starting to sound like paul that i would be a curse for for them you know if if it were possible for them to, to be saved but i understand that it's god that saves and all we're entrusted as faithful pa- uh, fathers is to instruct and to discipline and to be faithful in that, um, not provoking or exasperating them, but um, hopefully reconciling them to God because we're living out those uh, parenting or fathering commands found in the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah, as I was thinking about what you were saying, Jake, I have to agree with you, unfortunately. <laughs> I think my... my tendency my bent is to be critical and to want to address all the sins that I see in my kids um, I think I justify that in the sense that I do address their conflict with pointing them back to the gospel and their desperate need of Christ 
Um, but I think, as I think about like being a minister of reconciliation, instructing and disciplining my kids, um, and what that looks like, I'm wondering like what role does affirmation play in um, being a minister of reconciliation? You understand what what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like to affirm my kids and mm-hmm. the evidences of God's grace that I see in their lives? Right. You know. I would say like you do with with every person you you celebrate godly qualities and we we want to affirm those and we want to encourage those when my kids do acts of kindness I I try to celebrate it and like that was a great thing you did I, I'm, I'm excited that I see this um, I hope I, I you know if this is genuine I hope this is from the heart and I'm gonna take it as it is mm-hmm. and I'm gonna rejoice over this I pray that it's the spirit of God working in your heart and he knows those things I don't yeah. but I want to celebrate those things and hopefully as a means of encouragement to them that in our home Christ is Lord and this is what is desired of this is what we want mm-hmm. yeah I think if if I can't find something to affirm in someone, it is a quick indicator that I worship myself and not God. Um, because I'm assessing by my own assumption of what is worthy, what is valuable. That If they're created in the image of God, um, that there should be at least something I can see that would give me sympathy, affection, uh, something to, to care for them. Um, and when I struggle to do that, which I struggle to do that, it is a, it is a blaring reminder of my own pride. That if you can't find anything to say kind about someone, it's not just that you shouldn't open your mouth, but it's that you should cry out to God. Because that is someone who is overwhelmed by pride, mm-hmm. who cannot find things to affirm in others. And somebody has really got to fight to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And Crabtree has a great book on how to practice affirmation in a biblical way and um, a lot of times we are, I personally am too critical. I think that, that book was a help to our family of looking at it and, and fighting to be those who love well. I think, honestly, you do this super well. Like, I think you affirm others and love others in ways that helps me to understand how to do that. And so. if we understand that we're all image bearers, it's easy for us to see traces of God's character and or and who God is in their lives. Yeah. We should have to work at it and and celebrate mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, there's going to be sin and there's going to be um, all the ugliness that comes with a unredeemed heart. But we we're image bearers and there's we carry some of those uh, yeah. traces of right. who God is. What's really cool about that is they still bear God's image, even though that image is distorted and marred mm-hmm. because of their own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can point out where we see evidences of God's grace in their life. We can point out how they reflect God's glory. And we can also point them back to the gospel and show them that the hope that there can be more of God in them as they submit themselves to Christ and what he has done for them. So yeah. I think that's definitely, we could practice affirmation with our kids and use that as a means to point them back to the gospel what Christ is able to do and accomplish through the cross. Yeah. So I think those are probably the primary issues of our church would be parenting and children or mm-hmm. um, demographically because we are a church of Menifee, have a lot of young families. Um, what are other, are there other relationships, conflicts with 
neighbors, um, conflicts with family outside. How do you reconcile? How do you communicate reconciliation? How do you deal with issues? You've got a neighbor that's homosexual and you just have normal neighbor issues, but all you can think about is, oh, they're homosexual. That's why this is a problem. This is, a... In reality, you're just embracing what they are defining themselves as, mm-hmm. where God has defined them as an image bearer of God, mm-hmm. um, as a person with responsibilities and qualities and abilities and all these things. And so... Sometimes I think the reason we, we struggle to reconcile is because we listen more to what the world says about people and about us and less to what God says about people and about us. In the next podcast, we will continue to look at what God has to say about us and others in the area of reconciliation and how to evaluate, do you need to pursue reconciliation with someone and how do you step forward when you